Holly G with the Golf Insiders with Bob Herrig from ESPN.com. And we are still rolling. It's December. Snow is flying in some parts of the country, Bob. And we're still talking about golf. We've got the U.S. Women's Open this week, a major, and then their season, uh, you know, big finale next week. We just wrapped up a pretty exciting PGA Tour uh, event in Mayacoba, Mexico, and Victor Hovland birdies the last hole to win and post number two in his last number two PGA Tour title in the last 35 starts. Pretty impressive. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, he's. Um... You know, he's already in the top 15 in the world and won twice. And, he, you know, what is he, 18 months or so out of college? Um, you know, he's, he's living up to the billing. Uh, and, you know, those guys who came out of Oklahoma State are really good good players and seemingly ready to play play pro golf. But it's, uh, it's pretty impressive, you know. And he, he also maybe has broken that Puerto Rico Curse, Jinx because uh, yeah, the curse because you know that was his other win, which of course didn't get him in the Masters this year, um, and uh, you know he just kind of missed out on the Masters. He wasn't eligible, but he's 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 was good enough for 2020 before uh, the 2021 Masters before this win. But you know, so many guys have won there and then not got not gone on to win again. Tony Finau being one of them. Uh, so maybe now that breaks the ice on that because it's kind of a weird stat. These guys win that tournament, which is an opposite event, but still a bunch of really high-caliber PGA Tour pros, and they haven't gone on to anything else. So uh, Hovland broke that, and uh, but you know I think we all expect that he's going to win a lot more. Yes, and you know again some just some great playing on Sunday that we're getting to see with you know some of these young players. He edged out Aaron Wise, uh, sank a 12-foot birdie putt on the final hole after making an incredible 40-yard save from a waste area on the 16th hole. And uh, Wise closed with a 63. Uh, you know, I mean, these guys are good, Bob. He was the former NCAA champion at Oregon and uh, was going for his second win on the PGA Tour. Yeah, a little bit of tough luck for him, I mean, to shoot that score. And uh, he had a birdie putt in 18 that he missed for, I guess, for 62. And obviously he was ahead of Hovland, but that would have, uh, you know, that would have meant he was in a playoff, but uh, still a pretty good result for him. And, you know, we've seen a lot of good golf throughout this, uh, this you know, comeback here. It's kind of hard to believe. It's been six months pretty much since, since we resumed. And... Um, you know, they managed to get a full schedule in um, wherever there was a uh, an event uh, that, that, that couldn't step up. They filled in a hole, uh, and uh, and here we are now. You know, with I think, you know, obviously there's a couple of little things that are still going to happen, but kind of a nice little, you know, catch your breath here for a few weeks before they resume back up uh, in Hawaii uh, next month. We talk about this all the time. He jumps to Victor Hovland jumps to number three in the FedEx Cup points and uh, sneaks by uh, his uh, college 
playing buddy, Matthew Wolf, who is now uh, number nine. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is, is we've got, the, I think the, the FedEx points are a little skewed at, at this time of year because we had two majors uh, played in the fall. Right. That normally wouldn't have been part of it, and you had a lot more guys competing, a lot more guys playing, uh, you know, I'm going to do this at some point. I'm going to go back and look and see some of the top guys. Like, how many events did they play in 2020 compared to other years? You know, and, and I'm going to guess that yeah, – I'm talking about the calendar year, not the season. And, you know, obviously for the, the, the 1920 season, my guess is the numbers will be down because there was 13 weeks missed. Uh, and they pretty much ended at the same time. But for the year – I'm guessing most guys were pretty close to their yearly totals because they stacked up on tournaments after they came back. They a bunch exactly. of guys played at places they normally wouldn't have played. Right. You know, and they you know they added a bunch in the summer. They added a bunch in the fall, and uh, so you know uh, they um, those those guys. You know, uh, I I know they missed a lot of playing opportunities, but I I think the ones who could made up for it by just adding tournaments. And, uh, and what it's done is it's led to a bit of a skewed FedEx list here um, as we get to the end of the year because, you know, there was, you know, they had to get ready for the U.S. Open. They get, had to get ready for the Masters, so they played more. And uh, so you, you, you'll see a few more starts under these guys' belt, and I, I think the point totals are higher uh, as, we, as, you know, the calendar turns. And, uh, you know, there's going to be some guys way behind. You know who uh, who didn't do much in the fall and and uh, and have a lot more ground to make up. It's a very interesting top ten right now. Of course, you've got Dustin Johnson at number one, Bryson at number two, then you've got Victor Hovland, Stuart Sink, who you know had his comeback victory in the fall, Patrick Cantlay, then Carlos Ortiz, Jason Kokrak. Then JT, Justin Thomas in there, Matthew Wolf, and Sergio, who also had a comeback win this fall. Right. It's really quite an interesting uh, FedEx Cup standings right now. Yeah, you know, we had, we had a lot of oddities. You know, Stuart Sink wasn't the only one. Um, Brian Gay, uh, Martin Laird, you know, guys who hadn't won for a long time. There was three of them like that. Right. Uh, Sergio is now 40, so there's at least four guys in their 40s who won. Uh, you know, so you, you, you contrast that to Victor Hovland, who I think is 22. Uh, so, you know, we, we had we had quite the range, but but you know, you had the you had the marquee guys step up in the in the in the majors and, and Bryson and, and Dustin, and uh, uh, you know, we we had we had some good winners of, of the other events too. Um, so you know, I, I think it, uh, it 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 gives us something to talk about going into 2021. When I think you know things are going to be a little bit more like we've been experiencing them for a little while still. Still got a couple of months to go before I think you're going to see any semblance of, of normalcy out there. Semblance of normalcy, but at least I think we can now start to see when that will be. Well, somebody where there's always already some buzz around, and uh, he's probably uh, not 
not liking it. Ricky Fowler missed the cut in Mexico, and now he's fallen out of the top 50, which we discussed a couple weeks ago, you know, is key to Ricky making uh, the Masters next year. You know, I don't think he's had a top 10 since February, and uh, he's he's all, you know, trying to, um, you know, work on the swing and, and get back in sync, and it's not been working. And, you know, to fall out of the top 50, I mean, look, he could, you know, have one good tournament in the spring and jump right back up. True. But, man, we've said that many times about guys who yeah. miss out at this time. You know, it's nice to have it in the in, in the bank. And now he knows that, you know, he's, not only does he got to get in the top 50, he's got to maintain it, you know, into the, what, into the last week of March, first week of April. You know, like he can't be messing around with hovering around 48, 52, 45, 53. You know, obviously a win takes care of it all. Um, but, uh uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's a tough one, and I mean, I think there's some head scratching going on there as to how that could happen. I mean, we were just talking about Hovland, who went to Oklahoma State, and he's got two wins, and you know, what's Ricky got? Five or six? You know, five or six wins for a guy who's that you know well regarded. Uh, you know, it's um, it's crazy to think he's he's won so little. You know, he's been out on tour eleven years now, so. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm sure there's going to be some soul searching here over the over the holidays as, as he's, you know, going to try to figure out a way to get back on track. Uh, one of, I think, our favorite players yet to, you know, break through and, and win a big one, uh, Tony Finau. I keep rooting for Tony every week, hoping he's going to, you know, have that victory, win that major. What do you think it's going to take for Tony? Yeah, you know, Tony was right in the mix there, too, last he was. week. He you know, yeah. Had a, had a chance, and, you know, um, I'm starting to wonder if it's just going to take him, like, you know, being 6-7 back on Sunday and shooting 64 and every, having everybody else fall aside. You know, just, you know, shoot a great score and, and just win that way because it seems like when he's there, he's just struggling to – across the line I mean he's you know he, he made a bogey or two coming in the other day uh, you know he or you know like in Phoenix this year when he lost to Webb Simpson uh, in a playoff you know he, he had that tournament won and and you know he had like a 10 footer for birdie on the last hole to close it out and Webb birdied the last two to tie him I mean just seemingly can't make a putt when he needs one and putting is kind of his his you know his fatal flaw. You know it's it, he's just not a great putter. He's an okay putter, and you know when he when he has good day good days he puts better, and when he doesn't he's putting poorly. You know and and so I just I don't know I, I think he needs to probably improve his putting. He, it sounds easy, but not it's easier said than done. And because uh, obviously he's got all the other aspects. He hits it way out there. He's got a great game, um, and you know he puts himself there a pretty good bit. Uh, just not able to break through, which is, um, you know, unfortunate. Well, speaking of unfortunate, um, we had um, a, a, a tough loss in the world of golf and golf media uh, this past week. Peter Alice, the voice of golf on British TV, passed away at 89. He won 31 times 
worldwide and played in eight Ryder Cups. Um, always fun to hear him, you know, during uh, the special matches and the Open Championship. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's interesting um, to look back and see, you know, what an accomplished player he was. You know, I think that's gone lost on a lot of us, you know, who came along well after he was done playing and know him only for the broadcasting. You know, I mean, I think, I think there's, there's, a, there's a touch of that with Johnny Miller, too. You know, there's a whole generation of people who don't realize that the guy was a Hall of Fame golfer. Right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, Peter Ellis wasn't necessarily a Hall of Fame golfer, but he wasn't far off. You know, he, he played in all those Ryder Cups. Um, you know, he won a bunch of times uh, on, on, you know, what was, you know, what we now know is the European Tour. Um, and, you uh, you know, he he uh, he actually fared pretty well in Ryder Cups, like against Arnold Palmer. Um, you know, he, he held his own. You know, uh, you know that was in the days when when you know he played Great Britain and Ireland, and they lost all the time. You know, I, I think he was on the tie in the '69 tie, and he and which I think was his last Ryder Cup, and he was on the winning 1957 team, which you know Europe did not win again. Uh, from 1957 all the way until I believe it was 1985. So um, actually, you know, it was Great Britain and Ireland then became Europe. So, but you know, he you know he was he was a great player at a time when when those guys you know just couldn't keep up and uh, something to be said for that. But obviously, he's known to most of us now for what he did in broadcasting, and it's that's just as impressive a career with his longevity and. You know, the BBC in the UK, but he's, you know, he was part of the ABC telecast for all those years it was on over here. He was part of the ESPN. Um, you know, he did stuff for Canadian broadcasting. I mean, it was uh, pretty remarkable, and he, had a, he just had a great way about him. I think, I think you've seen some of the tributes, you know, the way people have described how he, how, how his, his sort of his delivery. Oh, and it, it was, so it was, smooth it was, it was, it was, and... Hard. And humorous yeah, and, and golf yeah, digest. Yeah, humor and, yeah. and witty and, you know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, bordering on things that you might can't say, but that he could get away with it. Hey, that's know? the way and, the British uh, roll, right? Right. So, um, um, you know, yeah, it's a shame. You know, he was at the, um, last year, 2019, he was the honoree at uh, the Memorial Tournament, the journalism honoree. And uh, I believe that might have been the last time he came over here. So, uh, yeah, it's quite the trip, you know, to have to make. Uh, yet, uh, you know, he was incredibly sharp and, and, and was during the, during the broadcast last year. He was inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame in 2012. Here's something else I didn't know. Of course, he, he wrote, uh, you know, a number of books, but he co-designed more than 50 courses, including the Belfry, which hosted the Ryder Cup, uh, what, four times? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great point. I mean, he was also involved in that. Yeah, I mean, you know, he had a, an incredibly well-rounded golf life, you know, and uh, it's pretty impressive when you stack it all up. Uh, and, uh, you know, his father was a great player, too. He played in Ryder Cups. So his father's name was Percy Alice, you know, and uh, – and, and by the way, I encourage anybody to go 
it's on YouTube. Go find his Hall of Fame induction speech. It's a classic. It's just it's just great. The whole thing. It's I think it's twelve minutes, and uh, it's worth it. It's worth watching because it was very very. He he spoke with no notes. Wow. And it was um, it was just uh, you know it was brilliant as they say. It was really really good. Wow. Well, we certainly will. And, um, well, there's still some golf left to be played, Bob. Um, one last question, and that is, I'm curious, because nobody covers Tiger Woods more closely than you. Looking into 2021, what's in your crystal ball? Will Tiger win again? Will he win at the Masters? What say you, Bob Heron? Um, I, my tact is usually never say never. Especially because, when it comes to TW. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you always doubt him at your own risk. Um, his, his game when he is, I mean, like, you know, I, I, I guess it, it makes, it, it's obvious, right? Well, wow, when he's playing his best, yeah, of course he can win. But the, the point is, is, is there's most people 44, 45 years old can't play at that level anymore. He still can, and and but he, but he's but he's hampered by his ability to get ready. Right. And um, and so this is the this is the you know the quandary, and we never quite know for sure because you know I just don't think we're always getting the full story. You know when he shows up, is he ready? And you know that is the key. Sometimes I think he is ready. He's practiced and played, and then, but, you know, something happens where he's not feeling well during the tournament week. Other times he's feeling pretty good physically, but yet you get the sense that he wasn't able to put in the time to prepare. You know, um, like I thought he looked pretty good going into the Masters. You know, he, he, he didn't play well at the Zozo, but he was physically fine. And then, you know, he went to Augusta, and it seemed like he worked on his game and shot that first round 68 with no bogeys. Uh, but then, you know, when kind of the cold weather set in that one morning, he, he, he just didn't have it. And that's all it took, and, and he was he was dunked. You know, so, um, uh, you know, I think it's a good sign that he's playing that event with his son. Uh, next week there at the PNC in Orlando, uh, you know, it, it, it means that, you know, he's not going to take his game on display and not have played. Uh, so that means he's, he's working on his game a little bit right now. I think that's a good sign. That's, that's good because the more he can work on, you know, Tiger is typically going to shut it down this time of year. Okay, well, now he's pushing it into a little bit farther into December. Right. My guess is after, after that event, he'll take the rest of the year off, you know, the last 10 days or so. And then right after the first, he'll start to gear up again. And, um, you know, I, I wish he would alter his schedule a little bit. He's such a creature of habit. Now, this is a tough ask this year, but, you know, Torrey Pines is where the U.S. Open is going to be in June. So he's going to play Torrey Pines in January. He plays it all the time. He's going to play it. But I just don't think it's a great golf course for him to start off in January. It's hard. You know, it's thick, rough, and narrow fairways. And the weather scary. can be cold. Yeah, exactly, and it's just not really con conducive. Now, listen, there's there's no place that you can guarantee warm weather, 
uh, in those first two months. I mean, you know, he runs into it at Riviera, where you know, in his own tournament. But you know, I don't. I just it's not it's not realistic. But you know, the week before the Amex tournament, it's a pro am. He's not going to want to do that. But you know, those courses are a lot easier. And that's a way better way for him to start. It would be three rounds, you know, before the cut. <laughs> and, 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 you know, but, you know, look, I'm not going to talk him into that. I just think that would be a better way. I just think he makes it hard on himself. He, he goes and plays Torrey Pines, which, despite all the success he had there, is not a great golf course for him at this point. And then he's never played great at Riviera. And you get some really cold mornings there. So now there's two tournaments in, and he's having a hard time getting off to a fast start before they come to Florida. So hopefully this year he plays those. You know, I'm not sure if there's going to be a Mexico event. We haven't heard yet. But then it's Bay Hill, the players, Honda. You'd like him to play two of those three, you know. Um, and then, uh, you know, if he wants to play the match play, great. If not, then, you know. In, in theory, he should be playing four or five events before the Masters, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, getting his game game in shape without any physical issues. But that is such a big question mark. Well, you know, this this is evidence of Tiger's dominance, right? From 1998 to 2008, in 12 starts at Torrey Pines, Woods won seven times with four top fives and a worse finish of tied for tenth. From 2005 to 2008. He won five consecutive events at Torrey. I mean, you know, that's amazing, especially when you think yeah. also of his record at Bay Hill and you take that out of his 82 victories. Um, how Tiger used to stack them up, um, pretty pretty iconic, as we know. Yeah, you know, and that's why, you know, you'd like him to go back to Bay Hill. But again, that's another golf course that's not easy for him. You know, it's... Yeah, I mean, look, look, that's the thing is he, he won on some hard golf courses. And, uh, uh, and uh, I, you know, I don't think the Honda golf course is easy for him. So, uh, you know, he's got some decisions to make. But, um, you know, warm weather is his friend. Uh, it, it would be very helpful for him if, uh, if he could get some balmy temperatures. It would be good for him if, you know, here the later part of uh, December into early January if he had some nice weather down there. So that he could work on his game, you know. But like again, like I said, I don't put it past him at all. Uh, all I know is a year ago this time, right now, this week at the at the Presidents Cup, which was a year ago now, you know, he was the best player there. You know, I mean, right. so he didn't suddenly lose his skills like overnight. You know, because really, two months later, he wasn't the same again. Uh, you know, and it never was all year. So, you know, it was physical, and he he uh, somehow needs to figure out a way to get paid. You know, if he can, hopefully he can, you know, because I, I think he can be competitive for another couple of years if, he, if he's able to, if he's feeling good. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's a big if. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really fun to see Tiger and Little Cub Charlie, teeing it up. I only wish we could have people outside the ropes watching that, but it'll be fun, and I would imagine the ratings should be pretty good for that uh, 19th, 20th, and 21 weekend, the PNC Championship. So we still got a lot of fun golf to watch ahead. And as always, Bob Herrig, ESPN.com, thank you so much.
No problem. Thank you. Take care.